0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, Hello there. Welcome to the program. I was cautioned on Twitter uh, last evening not to say good morning, lest it uh, upset the sensibilities of uh, sorrowful Steeler fans, so... I am just going to say morning, (laughs) because it is. I'm loath to say happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, too, because uh, if Dr. King were here, he would not be happy uh, to see how this country that he fought so hard to pull into a better place um, has stubbornly obstinately dug in its heels and in fact is uh, retreating so as usual on a Monday it is hard to know where to start because as usual over the weekend and since last we spoke on Friday Enough things have happened that um, in a normal time in a normal president's tenure would be considered uh, stories so huge that you'd be looking at banner headlines in uh, in all newspapers and uh, we are numb now i I read uh, the, the most extraordinary Excerpt from a book that was written by a German uh, writing about what he witnessed in his country as it moved uh, toward fascism and uh, ultimately the Holocaust. And I didn't capture this excerpt I wish wish I had it was chilling because it essentially said that at first we reacted with horror and uh and we we pushed back at things that were happening in our government, at statements that were made by our leadership. And then they started happening at such an alarming clip that we we couldn't keep up um, our outrage. We couldn't keep up uh, with our... Uh, attempts to refute or resist or any of it we couldn't it began to just become such a torrent that we became numb and he pointed out how everything looked the same. People were, streets were busy and people walking on the sidewalks. You saw people laughing and having dinner and neighbors chatting and shops were open and everything had this strange appearance of normality. But there was nothing normal, really, going on. I wish I had it. That is a a weak paraphrase, but it was so, his eyewitness account was so applicable to our current situation in the United States under this terrifying, incompetent presidency and the unabashedly, unabashedly, I, I'm i searching for the right word and As I've told you, I need a thesaurus. Um, I'm searching for the right adjective for the Republicans who continue to do this President's bidding to lie for him, to cover for him, to dissemble, and to sell their souls if they have them, to hold on to power it it really is um astonishing isn't it isn't it i found myself over the weekend retweeting things about little videos of one was of a dog because it made me laugh and I we need to laugh we need to remind ourselves that there are still things happening that that bring us delight and joy but I really am fearful and I can't I mean if there's one thing that I think has defined my whether they were radio shows or or this uh, for for decades, has been um, that I share with you my, my true thoughts and feelings and opinions. And I can't hide my true fear of the harm that is being done to this country and my revulsion at the millions of people who support it, this disassembling, <laughs> this dissolution of the country. So, let us, if if you don't mind, uh, talk about uh, racism. It is Martin Luther King Day. Uh, We can ground this in the fact that over the weekend, uh, two Republican senators who were in the room when Donald Trump called whole nations what he called them, shitholes, and wondered why we were taking people out of these shithole countries. Two of the senators who were there, who at first said they couldn't recall if the president had said such a thing, came out uh, adamantly on Sunday, two days after the meeting, and uh, their memories all of a sudden intact, and both said he had not said such a thing, and called Senator Durbin who had reported what the president had said, a liar. This despite the fact that another Republican senator who had not been at the meeting uh, did say that immediately after the meeting he was in a, uh, a meeting with other senators, some of whom had been there, and he said this, the talk was about Trump's comment. This is Senator Flake of Arizona, a Republican. He said, I heard about Trump's comment before it went public. And what I heard reported is consistent about what I heard about the meeting. And I wasn't surprised at the sentiment expressed. It's consistent with what he has said, but that he would do it knowing the fury it would cause. Um, So you have Senator Flake saying others at the meeting, confirmed what Durbin said immediately after. So what we have now, a uh, clear indication that Republican senators, in this case uh, Cotton and Purdue, are willing to just bald-faced lie, as did the head of Homeland Security, who also said, I don't think, I don't recall. These people are lying, covering for this monster, this hater, this dangerous, dangerous man. I don't know that our politics have ever, in my lifetime, been so low. Um also Senator Lindsey Graham who was there also called uh Durbin's uh remarks that in other words that Trump had said what he said he said basically accurate and Graham also said that he in fact responded in real time to the president by saying Mr. President the United States is not I think a country, as much as it is an idea an idea, of course, that the President does not comprehend. Um, so there is little doubt here, of course, about who's lying and who's telling the truth. We have history. We have a, We have a fat history of Trump's former statements about race. Um, If Donald Trump is not a racist then I would want to know who the hell do you think is? Let me share with you something from um, a piece written by a professor let me get his name because I had not heard of him before Uh, Professor Ibram Kendi of uh, American University, who is an expert on American racism, has written books about American racism, and he says this. And I, I really hope you'll listen to this, because it I found it extremely powerful. He said that Senator Durbin uh, rightfully described Trump's words as hate-filled, vile, and racist. But then Professor Kennedy points out that Durbin then said this, I cannot believe that in the history of the United States, of the White House, excuse me, in that Oval Office, any president has ever spoken the words that I personally heard our president speak yesterday. Well, I remember when I saw Durbin's statement that I sort of winced at that. Because Durbin's saying, I can't believe in the history of the United States that any president ever spoken words that vile, that racist, that hate-filled, come on. And that's, of course, what Professor Kendi says as well. Because even as Durbin rightfully called the president out and made his remarks public, He also exhibited what Kendi calls the depth of American denial about American racism. And I despair, frankly, that America will ever come to terms with it. We, again, I've just seen and heard too much. I've engaged in the conversation too many times after Rodney King, after, after every shooting of an innocent, unarmed black man, and when we say we have to have a conversation about race. And then we pretend we're having a conversation about race, talking past each other. Acknowledging not much of anything and then we all return to wherever it was before until the next time when we get up and we engage in the ballet again. Professor Kendi says this. If you just begin with the eight presidents, let's talk about racism in the White House. Mm -hmm if you just begin with the eight presidents who actually owned slaves while they were in the White House. Eight presidents owned slaves. And then, Kennedy tells us that Abraham Lincoln who did not own slaves and who is widely looked at as our perhaps greatest president, credited with seeing black people as people, not chattel. And Professor Kendi tells us something that I had not ever heard before. He says... Consider how Abraham Lincoln urged black people to leave the United States. Lincoln told five black guests at the White House in 1862, quote, even when you cease to be slaves, you are yet far removed from being placed on an equality with the white race. It is better for us both, therefore, to be separated. He reminds us of Woodrow Wilson, who was just an unabashed racist, who went out of his way to resegregate any federal offices, uh, civil service appointments that had been integrated uh, prior to his ascension. Woodrow Wilson just a vile racist himself. He said, Kendi says that this denial of racism in the very bone and marrow of our country, this denial is the heartbeat of racism. He thinks that the words all men are created equal, which of course were written by a man who didn't believe that, Thomas Jefferson, a slaveholder, who once said, quote, black people are inferior to the whites in the endowments both of body and mind. Now, you can say, yeah, but that was then. The Enlightenment might have happened, but there was much more Enlightenment to be had, and these guys didn't hadn't caught up yet on racial issues. But bring it back to our time. Bring it back to my lifetime. Let's go to Richard Nixon's White House. Because it was Richard Nixon who did so much damage to this country, Richard Nixon, who took this racist denial endemic to America and made it into what Kendi calls an intoxicating political philosophy So Nixon is the one who figured out how to run a racist campaign but not be overt. He knew how to attract Americans who would never consider themselves racist but who were fleeing to the suburbs to avoid having their children have to go to school with Black children. He went after those suburbanites. He went after those good white people who were opposed to desegregation. He went after those who resisted affirmative action, who understood that black people. On welfare, were undeserving, that the black family was somehow pathological. All these people who never would consider themselves racist were drawn to what Richard Nixon said because he was speaking for them. Nixon designed that campaign in 1968, and one of his advisors is on the record about this. He devised the campaign to allow a potential supporter to avoid admitting to himself that he was attracted by the racist appeal. And so a new vocabulary was created. The dog whistles, we now call them. And many of us now recognize them as such. Law and order. That was a way of attracting the racists with a wink. When we're talking about law and order, we ain't talking about white people. Welfare queens. And of course Ronald Reagan trafficked in this shit too. The war on drugs. War on drugs was largely a war on black people. It's still going on. And then of course you have Donald Trump who opened his campaign with just openly, not the subtlety of Nixon, if you can say Nixon was subtle. <laughs> openly racist right the first words out of his mouth mexicans are rapists mexicans are murderers this of course after he got a lot of ink for calling president obama a kenyan also called him stupid, suggested that somehow the grades he got at Harvard, whatever position he had, was as a result of affirmative action. Donald Trump, who demeaned the people in Puerto Rico when they were in such a state of need, as they still are, who looked at the white supremacists in Charlottesville and saw some very fine people. And who said just this weekend, I'm the least racist person that you'll ever interview. He said this a million times that you've ever met, that you'll ever know. I'm the least racist person. As with all things that Donald Trump says, if you simply reverse what he has said, you will come to truth. He is, as we have come to know, not just a racist, but he is a pathological liar. This Professor Kendi says... These kinds of denials from Donald Trump, they don't bother him as much as the denials from others who stand in strong opposition to the president. And yet they, too, refuse to acknowledge their own racism. And he reminds us of that extraordinary letter that Dr. King wrote when he was imprisoned in the jail in Birmingham in 1963 and he wrote to the ministers and the faith leaders of that city and one of the things he said to him them is shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. The professor says we naturally want to look away from our ugliness. We paint over <clears throat> racist reality to make a beautiful delusion of ourselves, a beautiful delusion of our society. And our greatest weapon is denial. It's fueled by the stigma associated with being a racist. He ends with this. Only racists say they are not racists. Only the racist lives, lives by the heartbeat of denial. The anti racist lives by the opposite heartbeat, one that rarely and irregularly sounds in America, and that is the heartbeat of confession. Which brings us to, and I almost didn't see it because I was almost not going to read the local paper today. But unfortunately I did. And you know that last week I went on a rant about an editorial that showed up in, Pittsburgh's liberal newspaper. Uh, Time, by the way, to stop even suggesting for a minute that the Post-Gazette is a liberal newspaper. It is not. It is not. John Robinson Block, the publisher and editor-in-chief, is obviously at it again. He's taken over their editorial page. He is on the editorial board. And since it's his damn paper, he wins. The rest of the board can be opposed to what he says, but they can't stop him. It's his paper. And he has yet another. He, if he didn't write this, I don't know who the hell on that board would have. So I'm going to jump to the, I think, reasonable assumption that uh, John Robinson block pals with Donald Trump, supporter of Donald Trump, continuing supporter of Donald Trump wrote this and the first line (coughs) excuse me the first line this is so in opposition to everything I've spoken of prior this is exactly what that article that professor was writing was about this is a textbook case in white racist denial his first words are these. Calling someone a racist is the new McCarthyism. So, <clears throat> now, I'm a McCarthyite, I guess, according to him. McCarthy, of course, accused people of being communists who were not communists. Anyone who calls Donald Trump a racist is stating fact, buttressed by, as it needs no, I mean, I don't have to backtrack and go over everything he has said and everything he has done, and that his entire campaign Was a racist campaign. Like Richard Nixon, he understood how endemic racism is in this country. And he figured, made the calculation, that there were enough racists in America. To make him president. The same calculation Richard Nixon made. And Reagan made. And racists, of course, are not just Republicans. Let me be very clear about that. Oh. Political affiliation does not in any way suggest whether you're a racist or not. Remember all those Reagan Democrats? That was a nice way of saying racists, (laughs) racist Democrats. Because Reagan and the Republicans were able to pull, and Nixon, to pull card-carrying Democrats into their camp. with the dog whistles and the law and order stuff and the anti-integration stuff and the anti-welfare stuff and the anti-immigrant stuff, right? And here is this millionaire newspaper publisher from Toledo telling us that if you say that this president is a racist, you're no different than Joe McCarthy. And he goes on to, in this despicable screed that is published on the editorial page of today's Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, says, there are nations that are hellholes in the world. And what if he'd said hellhole instead? Would that have been racist? Yeah, Blockhead, yeah. It is not racist, Block says, to say that this country cannot take only the worst people from the worst places and that we want some of the best people from the best places What is it with these people? Countries can be hellholes, I guess. Countries can be failed. States can be poor. It's why people want to get out of them, <laughs> it's why people leave them. People. Are not defined by the longitude and latitude they were born in. So if a country is a hellhole, that does not mean that all the people in that country are what? Garbage? what this is the kind of stupidity my grandparents were immigrants they came here with nothing My father's father didn't even speak English. He was impoverished. He didn't have a college degree. He was looking for a chance. So he left the hellhole he was in and came to this country like all the other immigrants, all of our other immigrants. And he became a successful man. He lived a short life. He died when he was 52 years old. And he had managed to become a respected (laughs) businessman. The stupidity. Of people born with silver spoons in their mouth, like John Robinson Block, who did nothing to own his own newspaper. He was born into it, like Donald Trump was born into his wealth. Every bit of wealth my immigrant grandfather accumulated, he did by dint of hard work. like your immigrant ancestors and I cannot tolerate these rich sons of bitches looking down their noses at people who are better than them in every way they just made the mistake of being born to the wrong people in a wrong location? What the hell are people thinking when they're thinking a country defines a person? If you can stomach a little bit more, I'll give you a little bit more of this brilliant Billionaires, no, he's not a billionaire, he's a mere millionaire, excuse me, excuse me. Calling the president a racist helps no one. It is simply another way to attempt to delegitimize a legitimately elected president. Did the president use a crudity... In a private meeting, he says he did not. No one who was there has said he did on the record. What? But if he did, so what? Says Mr. Block. Here it is. He can do no wrong with these complicit racists like John Block. So what? America today is a sadly crass place where many of us use vulgar, corrosive language we ought not use in private and work conversations. So the president saying what he said is more different than me saying sons of bitches, right? It's not the word. It's the meaning. It's what he was saying. That if your skin is black or brown, Mm -hmm. if your skin is black or brown, that somehow defines you. If you're born in an entire continent, We know who you are. You're defined. That's it. Black skin, born in Africa? (laughs) We don't want you. Never mind, of course, that African immigrants are more educated than the average American, that black African immigrants are notoriously hard-working, highly educated members of our lucky country to have them. This is true of Haitians as well. If you bother to know the facts, I feel for the Post-Gazette, as I said last week, but it is going down. and i made clear that even though my impulse is to cancel my subscription to to be vulgar to give a finger to john robinson block there are so many good people trapped in his employ and it would only hurt them. Um, I'm being told from Barbara this is new. Lindsey Graham now declines to confirm that the president said should hold countries... But as my memory hasn't evolved, I know what was said and I know what I said. He called the Oval Office meeting disappointing and a step backward. Um, yeah. He he has said that what Durbin said was largely accurate. Again not to get hung up on shithole. It's the president, what he said in that meeting is, why do we have all these black people coming? Why can't we get good people like Norwegians? You couldn't come up with a whiter country, right? It's so obvious what he's saying. The shithole part is not the part you need to pay attention to. Oh, God. All right. I guess I'm done with that. Um, I don't even know where to go. Uh, this Hawaii thing, unbelievable, huh? Jesus, Jesus. And you want to know something even more scary? There's a headline... I'll find it. Blew me away. Here it is. I don't know if you can see this. New York Times today, military quietly prepares for war with North Korea. That's a headline in today's New York Times. The article says that the president's remarks and what he uh, and tweets <laughs> are such that they have left them I mean, no alternative other than to accelerate contingency planning for a war with North Korea. Kathleen writes, I feel your pain and frustration completely. In fact, I'm beginning to shudder at the thought of what we've become or maybe the thought of what's being exposed. I think that's more correct about who we are. But what can be done? The press loves Trump and his minions because of the shock value. He sells newspapers. Yeah. They make us look at the TV every time because he's a train wreck. No matter how repugnant the image or the quote, we open our mouths and we swallow it whole. My fear is that no one in Congress or anywhere will lift a finger to stop this, even though it is their responsibility to do so. I'm almost in despair. It's tragic that a baby boomer like me has to live out the rest best years of my life in the shithole country that once was the United States of America. Speaking of baby boomers. Um I tweeted something out over the weekend because it gave me hope. Okay? And it was that there are now, demographically, more millennials in this country of voting age, millennials over the age of 18, than there are baby boomers, who are now old. Exhibit A. And what is so wonderful about that is that that means because these millennials are not as racist as the baby boomers. They are better in that regard. And I think that now that they actually outnumber baby boomers, voters, that we have a chance if we can get those millennials to understand their power. I know a lot of them, because my son is one, are so disgusted with the country they see, the government they see, the institutions they see, that a lot of them are cynical. They opt out. They don't vote. If we can convince them of their power, that there's one of them to counter every single racist old fart at the polls. If we can get them to understand that, that they've got the power to stop this descent into hellhole status for our country. Because the only way we are going to stop this is at the polls starting in 2020 no starting in 2018 excuse me this year in November there has to be such an outpouring of good Americans we have got to vote every Republican we can because they are the ones who have aided and abetted, done the bidding of this monster president. And the fact that there are more millennials than baby boomers, and it's not like all baby boomers are the worst. I mean, I'm... I'm one. I'm with the Millennials. We've got the muscle at the ballot box if we just organize and use it and get our people to the polls. And I will argue we can get to work right now by helping Connor Lamb take Tim Murphy's congressional district and flip it from red to blue. So there's some room for hope there. Right. The other thing that was so amazing this weekend that I retweeted, I wish I could show it to you, was a video of an octopus (laughs) underwater. I always think of octopuses as so like creepy looking. But man, when they're coursing through the water with all those... All those arms behind them, they are so gorgeous and so balletic. But what's amazing in this video is that when it starts, I can't even remember what color this octopus is. I think it's sort of a beige kind of a color. And then poof, literally, bang, like that. It turns like bright blue. And then it decides to take a break (laughs) and stops swimming and curls up on the floor of the sea and immediately changes its color again so that it literally looks exactly like the pebbles and the rocks that it is lying on. Bang! Like that! It is the most glorious thing nature we think we're so damn smart what the hell it's just mind-boggling i think immersing myself in nature um while it's still around uh might be the kind of antidote to keep at least me from total despair because i am despairing and and i i question anybody who is not anybody who is not despairing is obviously part of the problem um <clears throat> Another troubling thing, I hate to bum you out, guys, but, you know, this is a reality-based program. And unfortunately, uh, reality is uh, pretty depressing right now. (laughs) Maybe not the reality in your individual life, I hope. I hope not. Anyway, the World Health Organization and uh, something called the Human Mortality Database that they keep up, you know, uh, they're always looking at the numbers of who's living, who's dying, what's killing them, blah, 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 blah. And if you think that America is the be-all and end-all, then take a look at the numbers um, we have among wealthy nations <coughs> developed nations. We have the worst child mortality rate more children born into the shithole of America. Don't live to become adult. Too bad they were born in a shithole like America because if those children born here instead were born in Australia or Austria or Belgium or Canada or Denmark or Finland or France or Germany or Iceland or Ireland or Italy, Or Japan, or the Netherlands, or New Zealand, or Norway, or Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, or the UK, to be alphabetical about it. Those kids would probably still be alive. But they were born, through no fault of their own, in a country that doesn't care for pregnant women that in fact terrorizes pregnant women. They were born, unfortunately, in a country that does not have national health insurance as a right, a basic human right. They had the misfortune of being born into a mean, rich country, a selfish rich Country. The numbers show that in the last fifty years more than six hundred thousand American children died before they should have. And this, while Americans spend more money on health care than any of those, the people in all those other countries do. We spend more per capita on health care and we have the lousiest outcomes. uh, Is something possibly wrong? And... According to this article, the situation, it looks like, is going to get worse because the Trump administration's budget includes substantial cuts to the very programs that would ensure that children born in America have a shot at living to see their 18th birthday. The CHIP program, which covers 7 million children, Still not funded. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which goes mostly to children. Huge cuts in Trump's budget. Babies born in this shithole of a country have a lower life expectancy than babies in all of those other countries I mentioned. Wow. Ooh, we're out of time. Let me just quick share an email from Mark, who's in Ohio, it looks like integrity is becoming an outdated and quaint notion. Mm-hmm. We are being told that Senator Durbin completely made up a story about the president using the term shithole. It has become so bizarre that it wiped the story of 130000 payoff to a porn star by the president's private attorney out of the news. Actually, the president currently has two agreements with porn stars two different porn stars where he has given apparently them money and they are committed to never speaking a word that's our president it's a wonderful guy mark writes the story i find most incredible is the hawaii story god Exactly where are Hawaiians or any of us supposed to go, right, when you get an alert like that of an incoming nuclear missile? Imagine those people in Hawaii thinking that they and their families may have only minutes to live. I, You know, I'm surprised nobody, like, died of a heart attack or died running or who knows what. Um, it, It just, it's mind-blowing. Horrifying, says Mark. It should show us the folly of having weapons that we can never use, but I'm not getting my hopes up. And he adds for all of a Steeler fan, sorry about Ben and the boys. Well, they weren't the best team. Showed up at Heinz Field yesterday. Jaguars earned that um, that win. It's another reality, but sorry, that's reality. And I was an idiot. I watched the Viking game. I was an idiot who, with 10 seconds left, and Atlanta, who was it? Atlanta? Going on top. I actually left the room. I thought, aw, damn. That was one of the most exciting finishes ever. I missed it. Never lose hope. The woman who seemingly has always lost hope says... Okay, that's it, guys. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Hang in there. I'm sorry if this is depressing, but as I said, it's a reality-based program. And if you see John Robinson block out and about, give him the finger for me, will you? God, I'd like to punch his lights out. I'd like to take his little bow tie and strangle him with it. I'm sorry. I'm a little off the meds. Okay, Susan tomorrow. See you. Bye